Welcome to Hope from the Front Lines. Each week, we peek beyond the headlines, finding stories of struggle, passion, and strength from essential caregivers of color doing the heavy lift, protecting Chicago's most vulnerable during this COVID-19 pandemic. In this week's episode of Hope from the Front Lines, Child Care, Crisis Mode. The effects of the coronavirus are exposing the critical role child care providers play in the economy and the structural challenges the industry is now facing. For parents to get back to work, they need secure and affordable child care. But what are the barriers standing in the way of that? On this episode, two home child care providers talk about their hopes and struggles as they navigate through COVID-19. I'm Erica Carbajal. As a child care provider, Maria del Carmen Marcias wears a lot of hats. She's a chef, a teacher, and much more. She's been running Semillitas Home Daycare on Chicago's northwest side for nearly 12 years. On a typical day, Marcias is used to early wake-up calls and late nights. It's the job that she says never ends. So once the last child is gone, it's not like I'm going to close my doors and I will come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. No, you keep on cleaning and preparing the food for tomorrow mm-hmm. and the food, what, your curriculum, you know, what's going to be the activity for tomorrow, which book we're going to learn. So when sometimes as they ask me, what time do you finish your work? And I said, I never finished. <laughs> <laughs> that is until COVID-19 caused her to close her doors in mid-March. That's when Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker ordered schools and daycares to close. But Marcias was ahead of the game. She already decided she would close before the initial announcement. When schools and businesses first shut down in March, there wasn't much direction for child care providers. We don't have guidelines. We don't have directions. We don't have anything about child care providers. Mm-hmm. And what about us? The right. problem here is that, you know, teachers, when they go to school, well, it's a building. They mm-hmm. don't. They are not letting anybody else in their own house, mm-hmm. but we, we do. Since then, there's been more information released by state agencies like the Illinois Department of Public Health and the Department of Children and Family Services. They include guidance on things like daily temperature checks, increased sanitizing, and changes to child drop-off and pickup. In the early days of the stay-at-home order, the state allowed licensed child care providers to stay open and operate as emergency daycare providers for essential workers. This meant reduced capacity with a maximum of six children. Then, when Illinois reached phase three of its Restore Illinois plan at the end of May, all licensed providers were encouraged to start expanding their reopening efforts. But for Marcias, the risks outweighed the benefits, and she's remained closed since March. A case in point, out of the 12 families Marcias normally works with, three of them ended up with a case of coronavirus. And even though Illinois is in phase four of its reopening plan, that's been enough to keep her closed. Sometimes being a child care provider can get in the way of putting yourself first. But Marcia said in situations like this, it's critical to be cautious because she also has her own family to keep safe. The decision to open my program again is not only my decision. Right. I live with my family. You know, it is the decision of my husband. It is the decision of my sons because they, as members of my family, are affected for the guidelines mm-hmm. too. They need to be tested positive. They need to wear the, the, the face mask. They need to, all that stuff, see? Mm-hmm. 
And while these state guidelines are in place to help prevent the spread of the virus, they also mean extra work and extra cost for child care providers. It's going to be a challenge for kids to tell them to use the face mask every day. Mm -hmm. Especially the little ones. See? That they can adjust, they, they can adjust to everything, but it's going to be a challenge for us. See? Mm -hmm. uh, another thing, you know, we're going to be wasting a lot of uh, money and face masks, masks or face shields. Child care workers already operate on thin margins, so the added operational costs brought on by the pandemic could be devastating for some. The National Women's Law Center recently estimated that the child care sector would need at least $9.6 billion per month to survive through the pandemic. To put that in perspective, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security, or CARES Act, allocated a total of $3.5 billion towards child care. The Child Care is Essential Act was introduced in late May and would dedicate $50 billion to create a child care stabilization fund. Grants would then be distributed to providers. And so far, this bill is in the early stages of being passed. So to open or not open? And if child care centers do open back up, will they have the support to keep it that way? Marcius's concerns represent the difficult decisions many child care providers across the country are now facing. What are those things that child care providers need? That's Bryn Siebert. She's the vice president of the child care division at the Service Employees International Union, or SEIU Healthcare, for Illinois and Indiana. It's the union that represents child care providers and other workers in the service sector. As we you know, talk about economic recovery, um, as we talk about how we kind of rebuild, um, you know, in, you know, kind of in this, you know, time of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, that, you know, expanding access to, you know, affordable high-quality child care is um, really going to be essential to um, helping parents um, re-enter the workforce. Siebert says finding affordable child care has never been easy, and the pandemic is disrupting the already fragile system. Right now, she says only about half of the state's 10,000 licensed home child care providers are operating in the Child Care Assistance, or CCAP, program, which matches income-eligible families with a child care provider. The state then pays the providers, with families only paying a copay. And on a national scale, the numbers are even more alarming. The Center for American Progress found that the challenges brought on by COVID-19 could permanently eliminate 4.5 million child care spots. That's about 5% of the nation's child care capacity. So there are like three years to four years and one This year. is Araida Palacios. She's also a home child care provider and a member of SEIU. After 10 years of operating her home daycare, she says this is still the best part. It brings me joy to see the way the children view the natural world around them, to see what they do and what they say, how they explore and learn about the world around them. And I think that's priceless because I'm learning from them. <laughs> and like Marcias, Palacio says the tough part is separating her home and work life. Sometimes you do not rest at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even in the weekends, you still have to prepare. <laughs> Thinking, yeah. You know, you have your own business in your house. It's just an example. This weekend, we was uh, celebrating the 4th of July. And then... Uh, our friends came over, well, not my friends, my, my daughter and her her boyfriend came over, 
and we make a carne asada and things like that. And that was kind of a little bit of mess. And I was stressful because we have to clean up. We have to clean up. <laughs> for the next day, <laughs> most of my house is for the daycare and not just for my family. Palacios initially closed her doors in March, and she reopened on June 7th. Right now, she has a total of seven kids in her program. Before the pandemic, Palacios cared for a total of 12 kids. For now, though, she's comfortable with the amount of kids she has and trusts that the families she works with have been taking precautions. Many of the families or all the families that I care, they've been very cautious about it. Uh, mm -hmm. We make a, a meeting with them and we let them know how we feel. So we give them the reopening uh, plan and they are, you know, really helping us with the, what is writing in there. If somebody have a, a sneezing or, or they feel like they're getting sick, they keep them in the house. Through all of the challenges that come with being a daycare provider and the extra obstacles brought on by COVID-19, Palacios and Marcias both say there's been a lot of support from the parents they work with and from SEIU. The union fought for them to continue receiving payments through the CCAP program, whether or not providers decided to keep their doors open. Marcia said these subsidies also meant providers are recognized for their essential care. When we find out you know, that the state will be keep on paying us, you know, it is a big victory in success you know, for child care providers because mm -hmm. they need to know that in that decision, you know, it was you know, also the, the, um, the active um, uh, work of the union. Yeah, to pay childcare providers even though they we were closed, but in order to protect us. If providers were open and suffered from low attendance, the state also covered the cost of children who were absent. Since Palacios reopened in June, she's relied on parents to help offset the costs of safety supplies. When she's running low on something, the families rally together to get her what she needs, calling neighbors and using social media to collect supplies. Parents uh, provide me with the with the Clorox, the mask for the kids. They, they have like four masks, um, cloth masks for the kids to wear. So I'm like I said, being very fortunate, but I think it's a lot of support for the parents, a lot mm -hmm. of support for them, that they really care for the health of the kids and you know our health too. And while demand is up, Providers that are open are operating at reduced capacity to comply with social distancing. Palacios has had an uptick in families looking for care. I used to have like three or four families and waiting is right now. But lots of people are been calling me for uh, have a space for the kids, but I do not have a space at all. It's a lot of demand, yes. And as cases in the state start to climb back up, Marcias is still unsure as to when she'll be comfortable opening again. It's a hard decision that's been weighing on her. You know, it's like difficult. And for me, it's, you know, personally, I don't want to go through that now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to stress about that. What if the parent went on vacation? What if he tested positive? What if this? What if that? I yeah. don't want to. The CCAP subsidy payments for providers who were closed stopped on July 1st. So Marcias is now applying for pandemic unemployment assistance. The decision to reopen comes with a lot of responsibility and also a lot of trust. I work in a restaurant part-time, so when I heard the internal debate Marcias was having with herself, I understood the source of that stress. Part of you wants to just work again, but a larger part is anxious about all the what-ifs that come with being around customers. You wonder whether or not it's worth it. 
You want to trust that the people you're working with and serving have been taking the pandemic seriously, wearing a mask and self-quarantining if they've traveled. You want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but keeping yourself and your own family safe outweighs that. The effects of COVID-19 are a brutal reminder of just how vital a role childcare providers play in a stable economy. And while the overlooked industry is finally getting more recognition, Siebert says it's sad that it took a global pandemic. This is nothing new. <laughs> um, for many years, I think that um, you know, home child care providers and child care center workers have kind of been, you know, working very hard for very low wages and very few benefits, um, kind of behind the curtain so that parents can go to work. Um, and um, I think now, you know, more people are starting to understand that um, without child care providers, um, parents simply can't go to work. For Palacios, the pandemic has made her value her own work even more. Right now, mm -hmm. in this in tiempo, uh, we are uh, essential workers. Without us, the economy will not gonna go up because there mm -hmm. is uh, secure and quality childcare for the kids. With all of the structural challenges childcare providers face, I asked Marcias what it is about the job that's kept her going for 12 years. She said a large part of it is being a support pillar in her community for many of the minority families she provides care for. And what really kept me going is that knowing all these stories and backgrounds from my families, you know, many of them do not have a good you know, or, or defined uh, immigration status here. They are struggling with the, with the culture, they are struggling with the uh, language, and then, you know, having like a nearby home daycare where, you know, the provider uh, uh, interacts and has um, communication with you in your own language and you share almost the same culture. You know, it, I think it is a relief. And the pandemic hasn't kept child care providers like Marcias and Palacios from keeping in touch with the families they normally work with. Marcias checks in with her families often, organizing video chats and sharing resources. I keep in touch with them in a weekly, daily basis with all these um, uh, benefits that are outside in the community, like uh, food, uh, mm. when they, yeah, all those, you know, food banks and help for to, to pay the rent and, you know, sites where you can go and get tested, all that stuff. And before she reopened, Palacios organized Zoom calls every day with the children she cares for. They talked a lot about the coronavirus, something that she says helped ease them into the new safety procedures when they returned to the daycare. For now, whether they're open or closed, childcare providers like Marcias and Palacios are pushing through the uncertainty to find a silver lining. It gives Marcias hope that eventually she'll be caring for her extended family again, even though the new normal will look a bit different. That's the kind of relationship you form with all the families you you, you serve is not just your client. It yeah. is a, like an extended family. I'm Erica Carbajal with Hope from the Front Lines. Thank you for joining Hope from the Front Lines. Our series is produced by Juneteenth Productions with funding support from the McCormick Foundation. Join us next week for another story of struggle, passion, and strength from essential caregivers of color protecting Chicago's most vulnerable during this COVID-19 pandemic. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, 
and wherever podcasts are available. Do you have a story to share? Join us in the ongoing conversation on our Facebook page, Hope from the Front Lines.